Hey there, Omers, and welcome to our seventh episode of Podacy of the Mind, the podcast that's all about the creative problem-solving program, Odyssey of the Mind. My name is Ryan Bolton, and I'm coming to you from Pennsylvania, where I volunteer on our state's board of directors. And after a little hiatus, we're back with a lineup of some more inspiring and exciting Odyssey conversations. In the coming weeks, you'll hear from a team from Florida, and even from this guy, maybe you've heard of him. He's our international program director whose father founded Odyssey of the Mind. That's right, I'm talking about Sammy Miklas. But first, this week, we put a pin in it. There's no need to be on pins and needles for this one. We're going all in on pins. It's the Podacy of the Mind Pinapalooza Pintacular, and if at this point you can hear a pin drop, you're just not as excited as I am for our guests on this coast-to-coast episode. The King Pin himself, David Palermo, a former Omer who serves as Pennsylvania's Problem 4 Problem Captain, assembled a team that's a jack-of-all-trades. Pin trades, that is. We're joined by another fellow former Pennsylvania Omer, Ryan Blackman, who is our state problem captain for Problem 5. We're also California Dream Pin, as we bring in guests from the West Coast for the first time on this podcast, Olivia Holvik and Paisley Ramstead. These two Odyssey alums from California have judged and traded alongside David and Ryan at World Finals for several years, so you could say that they've all pin there, done that. They need no further pin introduction, so without any further ado, please keep your arms and legs pinside the ride at all times as we pull the pin on this week's Pincast. David, Olivia, Paisley, and Ryan, are you ready? What are you trading? Well, yeah, we, we're, uh, we're trying to sync up on Zoom. It's not quite as easy as, uh, as we've learned as it is when a team is asked if they're ready during their long-term performance. Let's but, be honest, most of those teams aren't synced up very well either. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Although it is a very appropriate response because we're really here to talk about, I guess in our first themed episode, mainly about pins. We've got these four past omers who are all world finals officials with us. Uh, and it's also our first time we're going coast to coast. So we are in two different time zones right now, which is also probably not helping us uh, our, our sync up on Zoom. But I guess to get started, yeah. now Ryan and David are members of our Pennsylvania board, so I know plenty about them. But Olivia and Paisley, and we'll still get to you guys, of course, because the viewers may not know about how you got started. But Olivia and Paisley, how did you get started in Odyssey of the Mind back when you were Omer's? So I have been involved with Odyssey since I was in third grade. Uh, I competed from fifth grade through high school. I coached for a couple years, and then I finally made the switch to judging. I'm now um, the state PC for Problem 5 for Southern California. Uh, A couple years ago, California made a split, so we're now two states just for Odyssey, not geographically (laughs) Um, and yeah so I've been a judge now for like nine years world finals judge for seven or eight years although this last year was obviously virtual and the year before I had to take a a break but I just got hooked in elementary school and wasn't willing to give it up even when I became an adult Right. And so, so problem five, I will point out, uh, Ryan is our problem five problem captain for Pennsylvania. So the two of you actually judge together at world finals, right? Yes. Yeah, pretty much exclusively, uh, for, for Paisley, at least I, I got there a year early. Um, and my introduction to Paisley was her missing a whole bunch of flights and finally stumbling into Michigan, uh, and, and us trying to figure out who this person was on day two or three. I remember that year. That was interesting. <laughs> I promise it was worse for me than it was for I'm, I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. sure. Like, I was pin trading. I wasn't spending that much time thinking about the fact you weren't there yet. <laughs> I did make it just in time to be able to judge the problem four teams since division four. division four teams since they all go typically on the last day of judging. Right. Okay. And, and you were saying before we got started, we were chit-chatting. You were saying you're glad 
to always be with Ryan because he keeps you on schedule, right? And yes. why is that? Ryan is our timekeeper and Ryan is the best timekeeper that there's ever been. That's a fact. <laughs> I have judged at world finals, uh, typically divisions three and four, but there's been one or two years that they've given us division two or division one. For problem five, which is typically the most popular problem, we usually have more teams than any other judging team, and we have never once had to skip a lunch break, skip any break, or ended our day later than planned. Because Ryan keeps us on time. Because Ryan wants to go pin trade. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the segue I was looking for. <laughs> uh, I would also like to say I can confirm this. I have had Ryan as a timekeeper before, and he is great. Yeah. So Thank you. Olivia, what problem do you uh, judge then when you're at when you're at World Finals? I actually, um, so I, this was my fifth, fourth year judging at Worlds, I think, or fifth. Probably anyway, fit. I switch between Problem Five and Problem Two at World Finals because in in California, my mom is the problem captain for Northern California and. Previously, uh, for before California split, split, she had been problem captain for problem five, and I am my regional problem captain for problem two, and sometimes also problem one, uh, wherever I am needed. So I just sign up at world finals. I usually just say, whoever needs me, I can judge for either. And so far I've done like a couple years of each. And you're a former Omer as well, right? So you participated growing up? Yes, I did. I started in, I want to say third grade as well. No, maybe second grade. Um, and I competed for four years. And then after my last year of competing, I immediately started volunteering as like a timekeeper. I think I was in middle school when I started as a timekeeper. And then by the time I was like 14 or 15, uh, I was doing a staging. I was working as a staging judge and then ended up, they needed problem captains for problems one and two. And I just ended up taking over that role. So, so you'll, you'll wear whatever hat they give you. Pretty much. Yeah, that's. That's, I, I go where I'm told. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I, I mentioned earlier, so Ryan and David, both from Pennsylvania, we actually all went to the same high school. Not only did we, were we in the same state growing up, we were from the same high school, Delaware Valley, up in our, the northeast region of Pennsylvania. And you guys were a few years ahead of me. So dare I say I was looking up to you as, as a young, uh, young Omer uh, going through the program. And Dave, Dave's a couple of years ahead of me too. So uh, yeah, we've, we've got a couple of years spaced out between the, the three of us, but I, I definitely looked up to some of those teams. Uh, we, our, our closest overlap was my lone year doing uh, the structure problem in middle school while Dave was on the high school structure team. But yeah, not, not a, a ton of crossing paths as I was typically on the classics from five route while you guys were doing the, the more, you know, Technical. Those weird problems that uh, the, the other people do. Well, that's um, Dave. So your specialty is structure. You're now our state problem captain for the structure problem. Yeah, I'm our state problem captain or regional problem captain. Took over those as they became vacant because I guess I was next in line. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know how that kind of happened. Yeah. So I, I've done structure since '96 which is scary to think about. I try not to do that math because I suddenly feel very old. Well, um, I, guess, I guess we can just say that uh, it's a lot of experience. So it's a well-deserved position for you to be in. Yes, I definitely have a lot and of there experience. And no, there is no pin problem, Captain. There's no, there's no official... If there was, it would probably be me. <laughs> exactly. So, we ha so you know, you had, to take, you had to take on structure. There were... I spent more years going to Worlds just to pin trade than I have judging. For at Worlds level, all of these guys have more experience than I do because for many years I refused to judge because that would take away time from pin trading. <laughs> to this well, date, I'm pretty sure I'm still the only person I know that goes to Worlds exclusively to pin trade. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we went a couple of times to, to when it was uh, at University of Maryland to go watch and, and learn and, and maybe pin trade a little bit on the side. Dave is exclusively there with the towel rolled out, ready to go down to business. That's, I guess, a good uh, segue into, into the theme of this week's episode, the pins. So I'm, I'm wondering then, al- al- along with this whole uh, the pin trading obsession, maybe where, what are, what are the beginnings of that for you, Dave? For me, it was when I was very young. My, well, my dad coached at Delaware Valley for many, many years, but he started when the year I was born, actually. So all growing up, I saw OM and he went to World several times and he would bring back these towels full of pins that we would then marvel over. So it's very possible I even got into OM because I wanted to go to Worlds and trade for these pins that I kept seeing. So yeah, it's very much genetic. <laughs> sure, and and how about anybody else? How did you uh, how did you get the pin bug? Yeah, so I my my first trip to World Finals was my sophomore year of high school, uh, and they told us ahead of time, you know, you're going to want to buy these pins. People trade them, and I thought that was the dumbest idea I'd ever heard of. There's no way I'm going to waste my time with that. We're going to be in Colorado. There's so many other things to do. Why am I bothering? And, you know, so I bought a couple and we got there and realized immediately, like, I don't have enough. I really, really enjoy this. And, and in the years to follow, it, it only grew and grew and grew. Yeah, I think when I started was in uh, sixth grade was my first year going to was was the year I went to Worlds with my team. And most of the pins that we had were donated just from my town, they just said Visalia on them, and they were not official Odyssey pins. But we try, you know, we a couple of us on the team really caught the bug, including my coach, who is my mother, as you well know. Everybody on this has met her and knows she's a big pin trader, and that was my first experience with it. And so coming back, that was, you know. That was the big thing to look forward to upon being able to judge at world was I could go and do more pin trading. It, it definitely is a family uh, affair, isn't it? Because Ryan, your father also is, he's still a problem captain for our region. And yep. actually, you're his boss, I guess, in a sense. I, I am, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but he coached as well, right? He, he coached, uh, yeah. He started coaching my sister's team. He started as a judge, actually, for my sister's teams uh, while we were growing up and then got into coaching her team, which I eventually, she was a senior when I was a freshman. So that was our, our lone overlap year. And then he continued on judging my team for the rest of high school. Um, and he, he certainly caught the, the pin trading bug as, as well. And now has, you know, after my first couple trips to Worlds, he's uh, joined the, the Problem 5 team there as well, uh, judging and, and doing a little bit of pin trading on the side. So yeah, certainly, certainly a family affair. Yeah, well, and, and your kids are, are going to be at the age where they'll be uh, joining teams soon, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so it, it, um, I, I have two little girls, six and four now. Um, and so when I go to Worlds, I have to make sure that I'm bringing back something pink. Uh, mermaids are always popular. right? So it, uh, I'm always looking out for, for things that they're going to be interested in as well. And they get really excited about the, the collection and helping to, to rearrange the towel before I, I head out every night. Sure. So now we're all, now we're getting into the real meat of it. What are the good pins? What makes a good pin, I guess? And and Paisley also, I I don't want to forget to ask you too how you got the uh, how you got the pin bug. So if you can tell us and also tell us tell us what what makes a good pin. Yeah. So I got into pin trading actually before I even knew what Odyssey of the Mind was. I as a young young child collected movie buttons. My dad would take us to the movies almost every week and we would ask if they had any of the you know, promotional buttons and I have somewhere bags full of them. Some of them for movies that as you know, an eight-year-old I wasn't even allowed to watch. <laughs> and so when I went to Worlds the first time in fifth grade and realized pin trading was like a thing, I'd already had this like growing collection of buttons and pins that I'd you know, been working on throughout the years and so I just immediately took to it since I think in sixth grade I had to write a paper about what I would save from my house if it was on fire and the first thing that I wrote about was my Odyssey pin collection (laughs) as far as what makes a good pin 
I, I'm, I have like weirdly specific interests. I don't like a lot of the pop culture ones. Some people will tell you, you know, the pins trade value is what's important. Ryan and I share that we really dislike sets that are six pins that are the same thing, just in different colors. Huge pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they're peeps. No, especially when peeps. Despite what Olivia's mother will tell you. I remember uh, in elementary school and in like high school, even going to world finals, being told that the number of backs that a pin has indicates its value. And for me, it's just really about like, what do I want to go home with? If I'm going to carry 20 pounds extra luggage home with me, what is going to make it worth carrying that extra weight? And so like, I'm a biologist. So for me, it's critters, any animal pin, I want it. I don't care so much about the pop culture ones, except for from time to time, there'll be one. I also do like ones that are funny sometimes there's some that are like based off of an internet trend which are hilarious there's one from a couple years ago that was the dress that nobody could decide if it was white and gold or black and blue and so I have that pin but I I don't know I think for most of us it's probably just about what we personally want maybe David has a little mistake <laughs> they, they need every pin so tell, which one is the best doesn't matter yeah this is true. <laughs> Although, well, so you design uh, some of your own pins too, right, David? So uh, yeah. I guess you do have some methodology as to what goes into a good pin. A clean design usually is helpful. There's a lot of art that looks like it could have used another couple of proofs. <laughs> I'm graced that my sister is a graphic designer, so she takes my ridiculously bad Microsoft Paint art and turns it into <laughs> fabulous pins like the one behind me. I was gonna say I think I've seen too your sketch, the sketch yeah. side by side with the final product. We'll have yeah. to no, it's, it's on the Instagram account. I yeah. saw it's it on the trading group or something. Yeah, hilarious and <laughs> absolutely awful. And thank God that I have a sister that's a graphic designer because these pins would not do well at all, except for maybe comedic value of how bad <laughs> they look uh, if, if they were forced to use my art. Yes, I definitely have a different style of pin trading than Ryan and Paisley or even Olivia that I collect everything except blinkies and oh, yeah. that are the size I, of dinner blinky, I was going to ask about that. You were talking about like, oh, the, the number of pin backs is like a way to like evaluate what a pin is worth when you're trading it. And I yeah, remember that's the most ridiculous well, rule. Well, I remember though, then you got like blinkies and you got all these different little, like some that were like moving and stuff. It was, it would have been, I think it was the 25th world finals at Maryland was right. that the official pin was a blinky pin. And then all of a sudden that was the rage for like yeah. a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's slowed down more recently, but yeah, some people still love, love a blinky. I, uh, my, my big issue with a blinky is that it doesn't fit in the display as well as most pins, right? It's, it's just too thick. You have that battery behind it, it it's, it's too big. And I'm, I'm one in general, I'd prefer a small pin over a big pin, 90, 90 to 95% of the time. Uh, I don't need this four inch behemoth taking up room on the towel and weighing everything down uh, and demanding that I trade more pins for it. So yeah, lots, lots of things that shouldn't matter. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not as specific as Paisley in terms of some of the, the critters and whatnot, but I'm, I agree with the sentiment of if I like it and I want to go home with it at the end of the week, that's, that's the one that I care about. I don't care if you think this one's really cool. I, I want to be able to go home with it and care about it. Right. Now, the first day trading, maybe it's important to put a little value in what other people like, and, and maybe I'll trade for one that I'm going to trade it away later, but uh, that's a, a dangerous game to, to play too far into the week. Right. It's also something that the four of us have the benefit of having a large stock of starting pins so we can do that kind of prospecting and not worry about, oh, I'm running out of things I have to trade. Before we get off the topic of designing your own pins, I know, Ryan, you help uh, with our state pins. Dave, are you involved with that too at all? No. uh, Ginger apparently doesn't trust me anywhere near the Pennsylvania (laughs) pins, which apparently go like, I know she won't let me touch the physical pins and... Yeah, trust me to design them either. Design process as well. There's there's very little trust between Dave and, and Ginger. Um, <laughs> shout out to Ginger. She is incredible. 
um, and frankly, all the merchandise coordinators yes. across the, the various states. We saw that in particular with this year with everything going virtual and things being turned upside down. It, it was really great to see what the different states did. And I can speak you know, to Ginger in particular, all the efforts she put in, in Pennsylvania. I've been lucky to, to work with her for a number of years, helping to design the pins in Pennsylvania. You know, the, the two of us will collaborate on ideas to start and then, okay, which idea should become a set versus individual pins? Are we going to have a theme overall for the, the different pins? Usually there's one concept that I had in my head from the year before that I, I really want to do and have to convince her that it makes sense. So yeah, this year I, I partnered with her on the, the skeleton keys. Uh, that was, that was a, a popular one from Pennsylvania. The pool floats in the past was an idea that I worked with her on. So I've, I've definitely given some input throughout the process, whether the original idea was coming from her or from me. Olivia Paisley, do you design any of your own pins? And also, I know, Olivia, we still need to hear what, what makes a good pin for you. Oh, I do not do so much designing. A um, friend of ours, Mark Lopes, who uh, lives lives fairly nearby, will often design pins kind of with input from my mo- my mother and I for California. And we end up trading those, but he does most of the design work and we just tell him what we think will work and what won't. But what I personally think makes a good pin is, I don't know, something that uh, I, I is just visually pleasing to me, honestly. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter what the theme of the pin is most of the time, as long as I just look at it and think, oh, I need that. I also really like to get pins that are made by the teams. A lot of the times uh, teams will make a pin designed after their per- like their sketch that they, you know, that they performed for uh, the judges. And I was like getting those. They have pins of their costumes or something along that line. Um, and of course, pins that my friends make and design. Uh, I always have to get collections of those. So. We, we also need to, to wrap back to Paisley to talk about both her individual pin designs, because similar to Dave, she, she makes one almost every year, and then her vest as well, because the vest that Paisley wears draws attention. So I like to sit and pin trade next to her, uh, because all the kids want to come and talk to her about the vest. Yeah, I haven't done one every year. Uh, I did one the very first year that I was a judge at World Finals. That was like my congratulatory gift to myself was I did a pin that was a self-portrait of me with a little judge's gavel that said, I'm judging you. Another year I did a very Mars Attacks inspired pin that was like a little Martian with a hot glue gun instead of a laser gun. And then uh, I think probably the best one that I did and one that I would like to revisit is I have this vest that I wear that has gotten a lot of attention, sometimes an annoying amount of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where I, I can no longer wear it while I'm actually judging because kids won't tell me about their skit. They just want to talk about my vest. And so the last pin that I made was actually a pin of my vest that says uh, on the back, I don't know if you guys can see this, but it says death before outside assistance. On the back, I'll make sure you get a photo of this as well. Oh, yeah. This is def- this is definitely going on the gram for sure. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, and then it has all all of my favorite pins from fifth grade through now on the front of it. And then I've also helped a little bit with California. A couple years ago, California did my favorite set ever, which was a three-piece reptile set. So it was a Mojave Desert tortoise, a Great Basin collared lizard, and a red diamond rattlesnake. And for me as a biologist getting to tell them that, hey, I think we should do reptiles. And they were like, okay, cool. Which reptiles should we do? It was very exciting for me, um, especially when that set actually traded very well. <laughs> well it was sparkly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on the, uh, yeah, when it traded well on the pin market, I'm picturing some alternate universe where, where David has a show like on CNBC, like Mad Money, where he's talking <laughs> about like the value of pins and what's, what's hot and what's, uh, yeah. <laughs> my, my favorite part of the world is giving economics lessons to elementary schoolers in, in regards to, uh, you know, what, what scarcity versus rarity, right? And just because yeah. you only made 100 pins, if nobody knows about them or wants them, 
that doesn't matter, right? If there's 300 of this one, you would think that's three times less rare, sure, but everybody's asking me for it, so that's the one I'm trying to trade for. And then you kind of mentioned earlier the, the idea of day one, you find out what's, what's the hot pin, right? You want to get that. You want to know because day two and day three, somebody's going to be coming up, hey, do you have this one? Do you have the, you know, the Avengers set? Do you have the Minecraft set? What, whatever those might be. And so it's nice to, to be able to, you know, procure that early on and, and watch the demand increase. Right. Assuming it increases and it doesn't just crater yeah. on it. Like all of a sudden, you, well, you got to know when the, the Medusa pins from Virginia are famous for this, yeah. that people and, see them on the order form. They think they're ugly. They get to worlds. Everyone's asking for Medusas. So they're rare and hot the first day. They all run to the Virginia association director, buy more of them to meet the trade demand. And then everybody has them and it, and it demand just craters. Yeah, it, it dries up pretty quickly. Yeah. The, the other one that, uh, everybody wants that I don't understand is the California laptop pins that man every year I I don't get it but people love them so we can never stop making them we can't we can't because then we won't have enough pins to trade you know it's the one benefit so Ryan you're you were talking about giving economics lessons to these uh these young omers now that you're a, a an esteemed pin trader and world finals official. But yeah. um, of course it's that, that is a, an example of the pin is the pin trade is more than just the hardware. It's also the interaction. Yeah. What are some stories either, either as an Omer or, or now as, as an official where you, you know, you met somebody or you had a conversation that went along with the pin that that stuck with you. Yeah. Lots, lots of, you know, obviously, you know, I've got memories of some of the people on the call here with their individual pins but I think back to when I was on a Division Four team in Colorado, 2005. We we traded with a girl who was a, a one-person team, um, and so she was from Connecticut. I have that pin. I'll never forget, you know, sitting and talking with her because we thought it was a big deal. We were a two-person team, and here she was doing this whole thing with one person, right? So, so that pin stands out. In, in terms of funny interactions, uh, I had a a young child from Korea approach me in the men's room. Uh, while I was in between judging and, and similar to Paisley, I, I sometimes display my pins on what I'm wearing uh, while I'm there for the day. And he's coming up to me trying to talk, Hey, Hey, can we trade for this? Can we trade for this? Like we got to get out of the bathroom. <laughs> we're, not, we're not having this conversation here. I'll even wash my hands. We'll go take care of business outside. But uh, yeah, it, it becomes a, a all encompassing, you know, takes, takes over the, the week for sure. But lots, lots of great memories interacting with people from across the world. Uh, it, it's so easy to walk up to someone you have no idea where they're from, what, what their story is, right? But you can ask them, where are you from? What are you trading? Right? And it's as easy as that. Now you're having a conversation with somebody from Poland, from Oklahoma, who knows, right? Lots, lots of great stuff there. I mean, in the early years, I knew people by what state they were from. So like Paisley was the California girl for many years before <laughs> I actually learned her name. And that, like that, I there's the Michigan woman and the Tennessee guy. And then as I went back year after year, like, I was like, oh, it's actually worth remembering these people's names because I'm going to see them year after year and we became friends. And it was it's, now it's like a annual friends meetup at World. Like we show up at the tables on Tuesday and hey, what do you got this year? How's your year been? What's going on? Which was really depressing this year when it didn't happen. Like I wasn't expecting that it was like, it was, I'm supposed to be at Worlds right now. Like yeah. I'm missing my friends that I see once a year. Like, Yeah, I, I guess an extension of that has been the um, the pin trading group on Facebook, which at least ha- does allow to, to have those interactions throughout the year as well. And I think especially this year, I saw a lot of people who were trading. We had, we had on an Omer from uh, Masterman School and her father, her coach was doing, he was trading online to get his, he was trading his pins from Masterman to try to get one from every state, even online. So, uh, and she said it would, it, he'd be so excited every day when he'd get something in the mail that was, the, and it was a, another pin. So at least it has been good that there is that pin trading group on Facebook to kind yeah, of. The, the Facebook group was crazy because it was, you know, something Dave started. Uh, I'm sure he could not have imagined it was going to get to the level that it is today. Early on, Dave, me, Paisley, and maybe a couple other people were probably 75% of the 
the actual yeah. interactions that were going on there. It was a way for us to keep up with each other. I liked to do a little bit of reconnaissance ahead of world finals from various, you know, uh, state pages to see what they were going to have and, and maybe post some photos and whatnot. But it's, it's grown and grown and grown uh, to the point that CCI is sharing the link now. And it's, it's just, you know, really, really blown up. But it's, it's yeah. just an awesome way for us to, to stay in touch with people that you only get to see for four days a year. But now we're interacting throughout the year. And as, as Dave said, when, when this year didn't turn out the way we would have wanted it, it was nice to have that to, to fall back on. Yeah, I actually went back into the uh, membership logs of the page to see when people joined. So the page has been open since November 30th, 2009. Ryan and Paisley, you guys joined about the same time. You were some of the originals that just said 11 years ago. Ryan Bolton, you joined in May 31st of 2012. Oh man, I was a latecomer. <laughs> yeah, still relatively new. We were probably less than, we. there were not that many people then though, yeah. still. Uh, Olivia, your mom joined in May of 2013. Ryan, your dad joined in June of 2013. And Olivia, the latecomer, in April of 2016. I'm behind the time, guys. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible pin trader. We'll forgive you. <laughs> yeah. You did come around eventually. Mom out of awful trades. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, There's no saving yeah. her from those. <laughs> <laughs> She will get an idea in her head that certain pins will be really good traders later on. One very good example of this is she traded for a set of Korean pins. I think there were six of them, right? And All right. they were- At least five. They were huge. They were enormous. Each one took up like an entire- well, It was a dinner plate. They, we they were, were like, yeah, there we, were a good we were six inches. In of her for having the dinner plate pins, um, <laughs> and she could not get rid of them. <laughs> could could not get rid of them. It was it was pretty funny to watch. Uh, so there's also a lot of teasing people about the pin trades they make. Not not in any sort of not in a malicious way at all. Yeah, no, <laughs> in a good natured way. Yeah. And, and not judging people for trading for pins they like, but when they trade for something they don't like and it just does not pan out. <laughs> well, and it's like uh, you forced Ryan to trade you a tire pin towel for four pins. Hey, I forced that on nobody. One, one set that was only got That's outrageous. That, that was all you, right? <laughs> I would do it again <laughs> in a heartbeat. <laughs> he yelled at me. He bullied me into making that trip. <laughs> yeah, that was, was that two years ago? That was two, two years ago. I think that was a, a Mark Lopes, the Hermit Crab. It was the Hermit Crab. That was the Hermit Crab that, that Mark designed, and he wanted a set of them and said, I will trade you my whole this whole pin towel for that set of Hermit Crab pins. And I said, well, I don't know. And then he said, take the towel. <laughs> and he yelled at me and like, <laughs> I really wanted to be able to tell people that I traded a whole pin towel for, for that set. It was it was worth, you know, losing losing all the great pins that were on that Oh, set. yeah, so so many good pins yeah. on the, the towel. The untold part of that story was it was a towel of pins that Ryan just wanted to get rid of. <laughs> like, I, I'm tired of carrying around this towel. Yeah, and so now I have It's your problem now. I, I want to leave with less pins. I have, my collection is too big at this point, so I'm trying to get rid of more of these for less of the ones I really want. So and Olivia's, forcing you know, them on other there, There's no such thing as too many pins. <laughs> well, so besides her being bullied by Ryan, Olivia, you, what, what are some positive, uh, not that that wasn't in the end a positive interaction, but what are some other, you know, what are some other interactions or stories that you can remember from trading with people? Oh, well, I mean, trading is how I met David and he's become a great friend. Um, he actually just had to cancel a trip out to California to come visit us, sadly, due to the coronavirus. But I think a big part of it is just getting to meet so many new people that I talk to year round now. For example, uh, my friends, Tony and, and Marty, got to know them through pin trading. Uh, and I, I, 
definitely judge with them before, but didn't really start talking to them until the pin trading started. And you get to meet people from all, all these different countries. And that's always just, it's not always pins that you're trading, but you always get a fun story. Like you end up with a couple luchador masks instead of <laughs> and trade for pins. So that's fun. Sure. And, and Paisley, other than, other than having to lose the vest while you're judging so that you're not distracting the, the students while they're explaining their solutions, what, what sticks out in your mind? Oh, there's a couple every year that are just fun. A lot of times it's like trading with a kid for a pin that I didn't even care about, but just like watching the kids light up when they get something that they want. When I was in fit, my first year at World Finals was also the first year that Africa had sent a team. There was a team from Uganda, and I had my heart set on their pin. I didn't know what it looked like. Didn't even know if they brought a pin. I just knew that if they did, I needed it. And so my dad and I snuck out the team exit after they performed <laughs> to <laughs> track them down. <laughs> and of course, they were to just perform, so they didn't even have their pins on them at the time. And a few days later, one of the girls on their team found me, and she was like, oh, we found another pin. And I literally held out my towel, and I was like, take whatever you want. And they took a Pennsylvania pin. Uh, for this pin that was not even an Odyssey pin. It's a tiny little Uganda flag next to the American flag. And I will just never forget how hard I had to work for that tiny itty bitty, not Odyssey <laughs> official pin. And it's one that is still on my vest to this day just because of how I managed to get it. And I feel I like every stalking year- Stalking children. <laughs> Don't pretend you're above that, David. <laughs> David, like, what you're talking about? Line going state by state. <laughs> yeah, so it's for me. It's kind of fun that like I was that child, and now as a judge, there are like those children who are seeking me out because they know that I have something that they want, and so it's kind of fun to like have seen it from both sides and I get to now watch these kids like get so excited over a lot of times it's pins that I'm not particularly attached to, or it's like one of my state pins that I have plenty of. And so just watching them walk away, like they've just, you know, won the lottery is always really exciting. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Right up until uh, you start building the reputation as being the really nice trader. And then it's like, oh, go trade with him. He'll even give you an extra pin. He gave me an extra one. It's like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, I don't have that problem. <laughs> I have the opposite reputation that I rip everybody off, even though I am a fairly fair trader <laughs> in general. But somehow I've got a reputation of being somewhat ruthless, which I'm okay with. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to be ruthless if you're going to get every single pin. <laughs> well, yeah. I wouldn't say you're ruthless, David. You're just blunt. You'll just say, no, I don't want it. I, I don't like that. No. I'll no. also point out that David is the, the ruthless trader, but also the one who made a specific pin just for the siblings so that they had an exclusive pin that only the siblings could trade because siblings are usually stuck with, you know, everybody's leftovers. And David gave them something that had high trading value so that they could actually get something that they really wanted or they could find the other piece to that pin. So he may be a ruthless trader, but we know there's a big heart in there somewhere. You're, yeah, you're saying that, siblings as in their siblings are on teams and they're not competing? Correct. Right. Yeah. At Worlds, there's a sibling booth at the Creativity Festival where they put together lanyards of donated pins to give for free to small children that are there with their brother or sister that's competing since usually the brother or sister buys pins and the little sibling is walking around the world seeing all this happening not really having anything else to do and not really having pins to trade so rather than leeching off of their sibling they they give them pins so the one year i i had a paddington bear pin which was totally uh properly permissioned uh <laughs> And as a companion pin, I made a little tag that said, please look after this pin and gave 500, gave a bunch of those to the sibling booth to put on there as an exclusive pin. 
which kind of backfired on me because then they all searched out me for the Paddington. And thankfully they didn't all find me because I made more tags than I made Paddington's because I wasn't <laughs> intending that to happen. It's like, oh, they told me that you were the one that had the Paddington that goes with this. And I should go and get that. Like, that was, that was not the goal. <laughs> I have what's on your lanyard. I probably donated a bunch of them. <laughs> For me, a lot of the rewarding interactions were people that I've traded my pin to in previous years. And like, oh, that was my favorite pin. Like, I remember you when I traded with you for that. And it's like, it's really humbling to have people come back to you years later telling you how much they loved the pin that you made. Like, it's, I, you don't, I don't have the words for it, what that says to me. Sure. Well, David, you consistently have some of the best pins every year, so. I thank Katie Palermo for that, the <laughs> wonderful graphic artist that makes it look good. Well, it just goes to show, even uh, even once you're out of Odyssey of the Mind as an Omer, you still have to work as a team, because you might be the ideas guy, but you still need the graphic designer to make it happen. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Very true. Before we get off of pins, because I did want to talk a little bit more about the program at large, I guess the net, the last logical step here is displaying your pins. And I know, Ryan, you had talked a little bit about how it's trickier to display a pin, for example, that's a blinky pin. How, how is everyone displaying their pins? Because I know everybody has different ways of doing that. Yeah, so I, I have uh, large frames that I've taken the back out of and put in a piece of foam board um, and sticking the pins directly into that. So they're, they're hinged frames so I can open up the glass, move them around as, as needed. I tend to rearrange uh, to some extent after every World Finals trip. And I've got a bunch of them lined up on the one wall in my house and a couple of frames that don't really have room on the wall at this point. And then a box of pins that really need a new frame to go into. So it's, it's outgrown uh, the usefulness of the display, but, but that's, that's part of the fun, right? Is leading up to worlds looking through, okay, no, this has to stay aside. I'm going to end up displaying that. Or I really liked that last May, but I don't care about it today at all. It can go in my trading pile. So that's that's my display technique. My I know my dad does something pretty similar, but these guys have, you know, different strategies, I'm sure. Well, I keep mine in large plastic bins at my house because I do not have a place to really display them. So I will like every few months I'll just kind of go look through my bin and be like, Oh yes, I remember this bin. I really like that one. But I, yes, uh, I do not really have the room to display them, so. You're demonstrating the difference between a collector and a hoarder. Okay. A collection, I, I, a collection I, I is on display. <laughs> I, at least she's not laying them out on the bed like her mom and swimming in them. <laughs> I am not the worst about this, okay? <laughs> and I have one tub. I have one plastic bin full. She's got like six, okay? <laughs> Uh, that, that is always a joke among us is uh, the last night of world finals, my mom will take all of her pins and lay them out on her hotel bed to look at them. And then we'll often just take a picture or I'll take a picture of her like laying on the bed next to her <laughs> pins and send them to all the Odyssey people. <laughs> so then also often when we get back to California, she will then again lay out all of her pins. <laughs> So, yes, but I, I just keep them in a bin for the time being. Hopefully, one day I will have the ability to display them somewhere, but such is not the case. Yeah, for our listeners who can't see, Ryan is shaking his head at this. I can't. The, 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 the people <laughs> that keep them in bins, it really, it's tough for me to hear. <laughs> well, when you want to come over and put the 5,000 pins I have in frames, we could talk, but until then... <laughs> They, are you, they are are all you a bin? Are you a bin guy as well, then, Dave? Or do you mine are sorted by state in individual Ziploc bags for each state, which are then in a file <laughs> organizer because I. You had the time to organize them by state and individually baggy them, but. Well, the pins are not individually bagged. Like there's a bag of North Carolina pins and a bag of California pins. Paisley, with that in incredulous reaction, it sounds like you have a different method then. <laughs> I do. I have a, a cork board for every year that I stick my favorite pins on or the ones that I know for sure I'm not going to need to bring back to trade again. 
Um, and then the ones that I might want to trade again go on little felt sheets in bankers boxes up in the closet until the next year. I even have a small cork board from last year when I wasn't able to attend world finals. These three and a few of our other Odyssey friends made sure to get all of the best critter pins that were available and sent me some. So I even have a small cork board from the year that I didn't go. And those are all hanging on the wall in my bedroom. Now, I'm, the reason fair. I'm asking all of this, I'm taking notes because, and I, I, I don't want to create an angry mob. And Ryan, already, Ryan I think, already uh, pointed this out to me. So I, I just found out a couple of days ago, I won the COU, the Creative oh. Unlimited raffle for like the pins from one of the one of two that was like, it, it's a collection of pins. And I don't really have much of a collection of pins because I have not been to world finals since my freshman year of college. Well, Just, if you're looking for a person to offload them on, um, <laughs> <laughs> I volunteer well, no, before thinking, Ryan can. <laughs> do I want to offload them on someone who will put them in frames or someone who's going to put them in Ziploc bags in a bin? Fair point. Yeah. No, and of course, you won. So we, we mentioned earlier, I don't like the multiple pins with just a different color, uh, which Vermont, I'll call them out, has a, a history of doing and, and irritating Vermont me every is year. not the worst offender. But they, did, but they did ice cream this year, and I really actually liked them for the first time. And sure, that's the year that we're not at Worlds Trading. Uh, but luckily, you know, our, our host here today won a set. Right. right. And, and you yeah. didn't get to their website in the two hours before you sold them not, out. I did not make it a dime. Yeah. yeah. Well, I felt really bad when the Vermont person contacted me and was like, "So I was judging while they were on sale, and apparently your group bought them all out before <laughs> I could get to them." I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." <laughs> you could go on the page. I'm sure someone will help you. And she posted, and within two hours, had the two sets she wanted again. So it worked out for her. See, and this is where we need the Mad Money style show to uh, to influence the pin market. Yeah. <laughs> but the pin market is so individual. As other people have alluded to, it's very individualistic. So what I find valuable is not going to be what everyone else finds valuable. And it's only gotten more so recently with so many teams making their own oh, pin. The the thing that skyrockets doesn't happen as much. Like it used to be there would be the big set, the big single. And I don't feel like we get there anymore since there's so much out there. Yeah. Um, it spreads out the demand, which is nice. It's good that it's not just one thing that's people are trading three sets to get four pins, which is ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that every year there's like a relatively popular set that most of the people who I know, you know, all of you guys included, don't understand why it's so popular. Several years ago, it was the Apple Watches. Oh, yeah. Like, None of the kids at Worlds have an Apple Watch. (laughs) They they certainly didn't in 2017. I know that one. Nobody was, it's not like Apple Watches were even like a particularly popular thing in the world at that point. But yet this set of six Apple Watches that were all the same except for being a different color, like every single kid would stop and ask if we had them. Yeah, that's kind of a strange trend because the same thing kind of went for when they had the the, the Snapchat ghost pins. Yeah, also super popular. Right. That and and I feel like uh, any sort of superhero pins tend to be tend to go that. That's, yeah, it, it's funny. This feels like the opposite um, end of the conversation that I've been having with a lot of the students who are competing now or just graduating high school. Who will say, you know, I'll ask them like, what is what are their tips for putting together a good long-term performance? And they'll be like, well, you want to make sure you don't put references in. Cause you know, the judges are older. So <laughs> you can't put in references that like, you have to know your audience. And I, I mean, they're saying it in like the nicest, most innocent <laughs> way. This is like the opposite effect where it's like the pins that maybe we would not find as interesting in our, in the stage of our lives, or we just don't know the references or we just don't know the technology the students are like really into. So it's yeah. funny that it's like a parallel to that idea. Olivia's mom will come up to me and be like, do you know what this is? Is this from the internet? Is this something I should care about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm too old for this too. I don't... <laughs> We're all beyond that age of really yeah. knowing. It's sad because I feel like none of us are actually that old, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh. When you compare them. us to high schoolers, 
<laughs> At least in my yeah. case, I definitely am. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I've, I've been judging now for like 12 years and still like to think of myself as the recent graduate who came back to start judging. And it's like, no, now I have kids who are old enough to be competing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, although it is the, it still is, the pins are the unifying, uh, well, the whole program is a unifying experience because it is bringing people like us back to help out and volunteer and run it. And then, and still, you know, influence and help the students grow and learn uh, as part of the program. So I, I guess it's a good segue to kind of talk about Odyssey the Mind on the Whole. Now, I know, Paisley, you had mentioned you are a biologist, and I'm wondering, was there anything from Odyssey of the Mind that kind of pushed you into that field? And what's something from Odyssey of the Mind that you learned, a skill or something like that, that you still use today in your day-to-day life and work? Yeah, well, so the very first year that I actually competed, um, I was a Problem 5 trader. I competed in Problem 3, and it was Wild Winged Wonders, which was we had to do a bunch of birds. And so as a little kid who was already very excited about animals, getting to then do this creative problem solving thing where I got to dress up as a bird was like the greatest experience of all time. And then to go to world finals from that was like just a good way to glue everything that I loved together and say, okay, I want to hot glue things and I want to work with animals. (laughs) Um, And now that I am a biologist in my work, you think of science as being a lot of like hard rules that you can't break, but field work is a lot of on the fly creative problem solving because you never know when you get to the field what the conditions are really going to be like. Uh, If you forget a piece of equipment, you have to find a way to make it work. I do a lot of surveying, so I've forgotten my meter square and had to measure other things in my bag and then, you know, and those are all spontaneous odyssey skills that how can I make do with what I have knowing that I don't have the ideal tool for the job and so there yeah there's definitely been a lot of (laughs) my odyssey experiences come into play even now that I'm in a hard science field sure how about anybody else what you're up to now and and how odyssey has influenced your path to that or or influences your your day-to-day life I so I'm a professional musician I play the cello um, oh man, me well, too. We got to start it. We got to do a little duet. I don't know if it'll sync yes. up over Zoom, but <laughs> definitely, I, I'm not definitely. a professional, I should say, but I do play the cello. <laughs> that's that's a great that's a great thing. I've also come to learn about other people in Odyssey that are musically inclined. Uh, my friend Mark, who judges with me in Problem Two, uh, plays oboe in uh, in Florida, and so we we will send each other videos of us playing. Like, oh, can you give me some feedback on how this sounds, and vice versa. Um, so that's been really nice. But so aside from that, I would say that having to perform in front of an audience in Odyssey, uh, that helped understanding stage presence, uh, how to present yourself in front of an audience. That's been great. The other thing I do is I also bake cakes. I'm a pastry chef and my favorite thing to do is like bake specialty cakes. And sometimes you don't have all of the tools that are really necessary to bake the cake. Uh, So you have to improvise, say you don't have the right frosting tip. So I have to take one that I do have and like bend it in a weird way and just create a problem solving it that way. Or my pan that I'm trying to bake this cake in is not tall enough. How do I, how do I compensate for that? So also a little bit of creative problem solving. And, you know, uh, I will say that I, it helps like with artistic creativity, trying to think about, okay, how can I make this cake? Like if I have a theme for a cake, what can I do to represent this theme without like actively having to like, I don't know, um, represent it in a really literal way. So yeah, just in the creative aspects of my life, it's been really helpful. Right, baking, definitely a hands-on problem. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so, and, and Ryan or David, either of you? So, uh, 
when I tell people, uh, when I'm introducing myself to other judges uh, at regional competitions, at state competitions, at Worlds, nobody ever believes that the guy running around in a raccoon costume is a uh, banker wearing a suit and tie every day. So, yeah, harder for them to understand uh, how I transition some of those skills. But at the end of the day, life, everything, it's creative problem solving, right? So I've got clients who have an issue, and I'm there to help them solve it whether that's with a loan, whether that's with investments. So it, it's, it's always coming into play in everything I do. And uh, my biggest role is, uh, again, as a dad to a six-year-old and a four-year-old, talk about spontaneous problems. <laughs> and uh, they, they never stop. So lots, lots that you can take away from the program for sure. Yeah, I, I would think even probably now in, this, uh, in the pandemic climate where you're really stuck at home all the time, it's got to be even more important to, to be able to engage uh, – Engage your audience of two. Yeah, yeah. We um we actually my uh my oldest was in kindergarten this year and they have one of their little you know, so they have library, they have music, but they also have what's called exploratory, uh, which sounds just like spontaneous to me. Um and so one of the things that they sent home to be working on during the, the time that we were doing virtual learning uh was to build a bridge for cars to sit on. Uh, matchbox cars to sit on using tape and popsicle sticks sticks. So I was, you know, working with her and my nephew on how to build a bridge and not just take the tape and stick it across the gap, but you know, where we could add some different things and we researched on the computer what bridges look like and, and went through the whole process. And it was really neat to to see them learn but get get a little bit of experience with what obviously the mind might look like. Sounds like they're ready for problem four. Yeah, we, we do not have structure builders. I, I can promise you that. That is not a black <laughs> gene. I, I will say female builders are the best. That, that, that I, the structures that come in from female builders are markedly different from the boys. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they're better. <laughs> David, so what, what are you up to, though, besides for, uh, besides for your, this fake a television show of Mad Money that I've come up with. Um, what do you actually do? <laughs> I do IT project management. So one of the, I was just thinking about one of the main takeaways for, from Odyssey was where are the points? It's like, what, how do I get points for my score? And it's the same in project, but what are the goals that need to be accomplished from this project? And what are the fluff things that people are adding on that they think they need, but don't actually need to happen? and making sure that the key elements actually get done. And if you get time for these extra fluff things, great, but make sure the key elements are what's being focused on and getting completed first. Okay, great. So we're just a little, well, about an hour that we've been officially talking. I wanna check uh, as Paisley's dog walks into the frame because <laughs> you're not giving enough attention to your dog. Um, but I wanna see like, you know, are there any other kind of like an open forum? What is there anything else anybody wants to add about your experience or what you've learned or maybe a tip for up and coming coach or Omer? Here's, here's your chance before we wrap things up. One thing we'd be remiss not to mention is Barbara Paris's website from Western North Carolina. Yeah. We gave Dave credit for the Facebook group, but the, the page that has kind of the go-to resource at least up until five years ago, if you're looking for old pins, I see this pin, where's it from? What is it? You know, uh, that's that's been a really awesome resource to point people toward. But yeah, that 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 was the the one note that I had that I wanted to make sure we we give her credit. Back when I first got into trading, yeah. um, that was my first virtual trade. Right? Was was she had a, an email address that I could send? And, hey, I didn't get this one. I'm really looking for this this pin. She had a wanted list. She had a traders list. So that was the first really you know trading by mail back. Gosh, fifteen no oh, eighteen years ago. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I did some of my first buy mail trades with her, too, and was really excited that I had something that Barbara Paris wanted yeah. because it was like she had every she she was to me that is like she had everything. If you had something that she wanted, it was like, ooh, that this is great. Yeah, it was hard to believe that you could have something she didn't. Yeah, which I mean, that's kind of one of there are stories every year of people getting ripped off and I tend I try to push. I mean, it does happen, but by far, most trades are generally fair and people do a pretty good job of not being jerks about it. And I tell a story, like when I was first, the first time I was at Worlds, I was there, it was the first year we were, it was in Maryland. So we drove down as a family and I had a bunch of PA pins on, a, on the 
my pins fit on the front of the program, like the front page of the pro that's how few pins I had. <laughs> but it felt like a lot to a eight-year-old or whatever I was. And North Carolina does Tar Heels. It went, it was, this was back when they still only had the single foot. And my dad, who also had a ton of pins, was like, I need to get a Tar Heel this year. This is the last year they're doing it. I don't have one. So I saw a kid with a bunch of them. And I walked up and I said, I will trade you all of these pins for that pin. <laughs> and looking, And he took it. And I don't give him any ill, like, I mean, I kind of wish he'd be like, are you sure you want to trade all of these for that pin? But I offered it, like, it's not on him that I was making a very bad trade. But I took that, like, that's a lesson that I learned. And I grew from that. And it's like, one, don't trade all your pins because then you have nothing else to trade. And two, be sure you really want that pin because when you are only getting it because you think someone else doesn't have it and then they get home and go, oh, I did have it. It feels really bad. Yeah. I know I've, I've heard from different times, each of us say to somebody like, are, are you sure that, no, I, I don't think that's right. Not because I'm not getting the right end of that deal, but, but you, you, you are. don't want to make that trade with me. Right. I think most, most people are pretty good about making sure they don't, you know, take advantage of kids that are trying to trade away all of their pins. But I also think that some kids, some people leave feeling like they got cheated out of pins because not necessarily because they did, but because their friends or their, their parents see their pins and say, well, no, 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 this is a rare pin. You should have gotten more for that. And it, even though they got something they really liked and it would be a fair trade in the eyes of most people, you know, and there's, there's always that idea of the rare pin that you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what it, what, what that, like a lot of people that come away feeling like they got a raw deal usually get that idea from another person, not because they actually think that they got a raw deal out of it. So beauty is in the eye of the pin holder. Yes. Yes. It's important. Pin, pin idea. Somebody write that down. Paisley, <laughs> <laughs> did you have did you have anything else to add? I think my biggest thing just is more like overall Odyssey is just reminding kids that like no matter what you're into or what your skills are there's a spot in Odyssey for you. Like for me, that was so huge, especially in middle school when I was like the weird kid and, you know, I wasn't athletic. I wasn't a super tech smart person, but Odyssey gave me the place to like be the weird kid that I was and that I wanted to be. And it helped me find other weird kids. <laughs> and, and so I think that, you know, especially in like later elementary school through early high school, when kids are struggling to like find what their interests are, you can find it through Odyssey. Like if it's not blatantly in the problem, you can find it somewhere on the style form or in spontaneous. And, and so that's why I wish every, I wish Odyssey was available to everybody because I, for me, it's been such a huge part of who I am. And I, I just wish every kid had that. Well, and, and not just every kid to have it, but it would be awesome if it was everywhere for adults to go and watch the kids do it, right? Because some of the things that you see and go, there's no way that I could have done that. And I fully believe that that kid could do it because he's really into that thing, right? Yeah. Um, and it's it's just really awesome to see, right? I mean, we, we all glow at the end of a, a competition from getting to watch that. And, and it's something that, you know, we spend so much time, we want to give the kids the opportunity to see it, but it, it's equally as important to give other adults the opportunity to see what kids can do so we stop limiting them. Right. Well, and there's that perpetual like, oh, this generation, you know, the next generation disdain for, and it's like anyone who ever has that kind of opinion who will say something like a kids these days kind of thing, right? It's like, you have never been to an Odyssey yeah. of the Mind tournament because the next yeah. generation, we're going to be in pretty good hands. And and this has come up throughout recording these. Right now, it's the world is in a position where it needs good problem solvers uh, and compassionate problem solvers more than ever. And it's, it, yeah, I, I agree. It's really like, it's reassuring after after a long day of, of being at a competition to see what the kids, what the students come up with and see their passion and, and see their compassion, see how they come together as a team. And uh, it's, it's very definitely reassuring and, and, uh, and hopeful. Yeah. Definitely. The other thing, when we 
talk about competitions, it's not antagonistic most of the time. Uh, like most of the teams are very excited to see the other cool things that other teams have done. It's not, I want to beat you. I need like, we're better than you are. It's we came up with this cool stuff. You came up with that cool stuff. Like we're all excited and, and to see oh what comes Look up Look at with. the cool stuff they came up with next year. We got to do even better, right? right. It's, it's not right. just, I want to beat you. It's, it's I've got to get better at what I'm doing to reach that level. We, yeah. we had so many of those rivalries that I'm sure the other school didn't think it was a rivalry with us, but you know, like you, you looked up to them and then one day you hear the other schools talking about your school that way. It's, it's just really cool to watch kids evolve throughout the program. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, especially when I was competing always, you know, we figured out our own way to solve the problem and just watching another person's way of solving it, like their thought process, can be so completely different and it forces you to maybe start thinking about things a little bit different way. Um, and that's one of the great things about it's, it's, you, you look at those people in awe and not in, you know, you're not upset about it. You're just like, Oh wow. They thought about that in a completely different way. And it really uh, is eye opening. Okay, cool. Before I let you go, I do want to say I had this epiphany this last week. I'm like, I need to make a pin for the podcast that says, I was a guest on the podcast. So I'm going to have my Oprah moment because you get a pin and you get a pin and you get a pin and you get a pin. <laughs> don't yet have them made up, but I promise. Uh, and and I, as I say this, hopefully some people are hearing it and want to, want to be on the podcast so they can get a pin at some point. The thing, though, is you need to give every guest two <laughs> so right. that they have one to keep and one to trade. <laughs> okay. It's a good, and very don't good. Rely point. on me very to give point. it to the three of them because I never see them. <laughs> I already know if I get one of those, if I get two pins, one of them is going to be stolen from me immediately. <laughs> It'll be laying on your mother's bed. Oh yeah, <laughs> It'll go into her dragon's hoard. Uh, you know. Pay tribute uh, to the dragon. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the good thing is that you could use your laptop pins to play the podcast, right? Is that exactly? Yeah. How this That's works? how this works. Uh, all right, so Paisley, Olivia, David, Ryan, would you like to wrap up this week's episode? Yeah, I think we'll just have to pack a bigger towel next. Time. Thanks again to David, Olivia, Paisley, and Ryan for joining us this week. You can find links to Barbara Paris's Pictorial Pin History website and the Pin Trading Facebook group that David started on our website, paodyssey.com slash podcast. And if you're pinterested in being on a future episode of the podcast, we'd love to have you. We're looking for people from all walks of life of Odyssey the Mind. Just send us an email at podcast at paodyssey.com. And remember, for all of our guests, past and present, there are pins on the line. And if you're a listener who would like to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is spread the word about Odyssey of the Mind to your family and friends in the educational community. We can always use your help in growing the program and recruiting new teams. Here in Pennsylvania, we have a grant program to help new memberships get started. And even in these uncertain times, we're excited to welcome two new memberships so far this year from the Conrad Weiser School District and the Oxford Public Library. More information about the Pennsylvania Jumpstart Grant Program can be found at paodyssey.com slash grants. And if you're interested in contributing to our grant fund, you can email me at grants at paodyssey.com for more information. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you and your loved ones are all still safe and well. Remember to keep social distancing and wearing your mask. And of course, to always... Think outside the box. I hope Olivia doesn't take my whole pin <laughs> next time. <laughs>